Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and I have a brand new co-host for this episode, and her name is Emma Tempest. Hi! And she's going to tell you all about herself right now. Hello! So <laughs> you will soon realize that I'm not American, and uh, basically I lived in England until December 2016, when I moved over here, and I now live in Arkansas, um, due to my husband's job. Uh, I've been an early years educator for the past, well, let me think, 9, 10, 11, 12 years now, and always been very play-based, wanting to do developmentally appropriate practice and shouting it from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. And I now have um, my own blog and Facebook group, and I'm hoping to make a business out of it, coaching teachers and educators and babysitters, whatever you want to call yourself. In the, the wonder and joy of play. Yeah, and you're called? Oh, yeah, the play coach. <laughs> the play coach. See? I forgot. <laughs> That's all right. I can help with things like that. <laughs> I can help with what your Facebook name is. So, yeah, the play coach is, is how you want to find her if you, if you listen to this and decide you want to see more about what Emma's going on or doing and, and about. But today we're going to talk about play, of course. Um, and some some different aspects of play. We're going to start with our quote, which is from Teacher Tom's blog. I don't have the date, but I suppose if someone listening really wanted to know how to find it, I could find it. So drop something in the comments <laughs> if you're listening to this and feel like you need to look at it more. But this came from his uh, his blog about a month or a month and a half ago. And it is this. It's as if we've become convinced that young children are just wasting their valuable time when they just play. That every minute spent not exploring math, science, and creativity leaves our kids another minute behind those Chinese kids who, legend has it, never rest. The fact that all play is educational, that all toys are educational, is beside the point. When did we lose sight of the fact that play is what children are supposed to do? Mm. Mm-hmm. And I have here, when I texted you and said, what about this quote? You said, yes, with several S's and several exclamation points. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much value in that comment and how how that impact of just play mm-hmm. actually has on children. And the first thing that kind of hit me was the, the phrasing that he chose of, um, wasting their valuable time mm-hmm. so what is valuable time what is that definition right and who's defining it valuable right. to whom exactly and when I was thinking about the whole quote the whole idea of time being valuable to a child it made me think about the times that are valuable to an adult uh-huh. so if you think about yeah you do have to work and you have to have a job and you have to you know make the money and bring home the bacon but <laughs> Actually, what do we really value? Like, I, I preach massively about self-care and well-being and teachers having time out and time to themselves. And most of those kinds of activities are playful activities. Mm-hmm. 
So if we value our play as adults, surely then the children's valuable time is their playing time. But I find that adults are very, very skilled in justifying things that they want to do, but are not that generous in terms of um, when a child then requires our perspective taking skills right. or, or totally. our consideration, we're, we're not as willing to say, oh, okay, but here's probably why that's happening or here's why he deserves to be able to do this yeah. as we are in our own lives. Yes. And there is a lot of give and take when it comes to being deserving. Uh-huh. So I know plenty of teachers who will say, oh, I'm so busy. I've got this to do. I've got that to do. And they don't feel like they deserve to put their feet up and take a break. Mm-hmm. Whether that means, you know, playing with some art or playing with some, you know, relaxation techniques, just actually sitting still and being, uh-huh. that is so valuable, but we don't allow children to just do right. that. And, and I, th- I think you're... And when I say we, we do. <laughs> right, right, right. The global we. <laughs> the other. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I definitely, there are adults who who have trouble themselves taking that time and feeling like it's okay to relax or to do something fun or to do something just to relieve your own stress. So certainly I think it's easy to see then why they wouldn't be able to value that for a child. Right. Which, which is just really sad. And especially when the next part says about every minute spent not exploring math, science and creativity. And well, how, how generous that they threw creativity in there. Usually yes, that's not even considered. I didn't notice that. I was like, Oh, Where's reading and writing? Oh, we're <laughs> valuing creativity now. How that's interesting. Us, that's usually the trifecta, isn't it? So, yes. Yeah. And just the sheer fact that the word exploring, surely that is a part of play. Mm-hmm. So if you are exploring math, science, creativity, you can still do that in a playful way because that's how play works. You have to explore those things and you don't need a worksheet or some sort of Singapore math crap. Yes. Um, crap, right? Yeah. You, oh, sure you can. <laughs> so it's, it's that dichotomy again, that false dichotomy that you're either playing or you're learning and it can't be both. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so probably the people who don't see, you know, who would say just play are mm-hmm. the people who don't see the learning that's happening. That's right. And I spent so long in England teaching other people about play and, you know, sharing the photo of their kids playing and explaining what was happening behind the, oh, they're having a nice time in the sand. Uh-huh. Like actually pinpointing all the things that were happening in terms of DAP and curriculum mm-hmm. and goals, but actually all the things that are happening that are life skills and just being happy and having fun like it sounds really twee and especially with my British accent it probably sounds even more ridiculous but it's that thing about what is education for Uh if we're just doing what apparently the Chinese do and drill them and have all these horrible testings and it just goes on and on and on Mm -hmm. and without that playful side to education it's just going to get worse yeah and and, and so I want to I want to talk a little bit about the part of the quote that, you know, brings in this idea that the Chinese children never rest and are beating us and everything. And um, I don't know if if folks in the UK hold China up in the way. I know folks in the States do. Yeah, Singapore um, math, too. I've heard a lot about. But 
I tried to understand it, and I was like, I just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> that I, isn't a strong point. <laughs> no, mine, mine either. And so I think that's maybe part of why I have an immediate reaction to hearing it. But anything that sounds trendy or like a product or like... Yeah. If some... it's something that teachers can do this week, and then this week comes next, and then that uh-huh. week comes next, they, I think they feel more comfortable in the fact that they are actually teaching. Right. And I think that's where a lot of early educators panic because they're constantly seeing something on Facebook or Pinterest or Twitter or wherever and they're going, oh, where did you get that from? Oh, how did you do that? And they're not thinking about the reasons behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just, I like that. I want it in my room to produce the same results, but they forget that their kids are different, their teaching right. styles are different, but the underlying thing that is the same is play. Yeah. Or I think it's easier, um, you know, if you've got a parent or an administrator or somebody at a party that you just met that you're trying to talk about your job with, um, I think it's easier for folks, some folks, to say um, that they use Singapore math than it is to say, um, I have a play-based philosophy (laughs) and it's child-led and... and, um, they are learning math, but it's this and this and this, you know, it's all these different ways. It's a much lengthier explanation mm-hmm. than just saying, oh, we use um, hooked on phonics or we use zoophonics to teach kids to read. Right. When we have to actually stop and articulate what's yeah, going on. Yeah, it's stamping a certification on their teaching. Like, oh, we use this. Look, it's been approved. Uh-huh. But play is like so approved by brain research and how many journals and articles can you find about Oh, these worksheets are how children learn best. Yeah. You're just, you're not going to find any because it's just not, it's, it's just not, not true. Happening. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but I, but I want to, I want this to be a lead in for you if you, and I hope this doesn't put you on the spot, but when we were reviewing the quote before we started recording and we were talking about this idea of comparing ourselves to China all the time and um, feeling like we don't measure up, you had an interesting point. That yeah, you it might uh, be controversial. <laughs> me, controversial. But I want to invite you to share. What? No. Um, so I, I can't remember exactly when or where I found this out, but it was definitely during my time in England. And it was something to do with the fact that the highest suicide rate among teenagers, I believe, in China, in, at least in before 2016, they were literally the number one country in the world. And I believe at the time it was more males than females. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. But if you think about all the stuff that's coming out now about trauma-informed care and understanding, you know, why children are the way they are and do the things they do. Right. And just the that, effect of toxic stress. Uh-huh. Yeah. That kind of really scares me that we're constantly trying to catch up with them when we're not seeing the outcomes however many years later uh-huh well i don't know that we're um as a field or as a culture really great at looking at big picture mm-hmm. <laughs> or looking at longitudinal effects of what yeah. we're trying to do i think we're very much looking for the quick fix or the catchphrase and... but i think that's really sad though when you think about the fact that there are longitudinal longitudinal yep studies out there show kindergartens that are play-based have such and such effect in 10, 20 years. Mm -hmm. But there isn't any 
for anything else. It's like there's too many factors that can affect the children mm -hmm. that they just don't seem to think that play is one of those. It's like, oh, well, they've grown up with, you know, a parent in prison or they've got low deprivation or, mm -hmm. you know, there's all these factors. Right. But play and schooling always seems to be left till last. Uh-huh. Yeah, I just had a conversation with a professor last semester um, because I was taking issue with, um, it was just like one sentence in our textbook that said something like, uh, we know that children from lower incomes, income homes learn less. And I was sort of offended at that broad stroke. Like, really, we, we know that they learn less. And, um, less compared to what? Even if that was true. Compared how to what? And, and my, my thing, what my issue was, we don't, they, you know, they may be scoring lower or whatever your measurement is, but it's not just because they're lower income. It's because of all these other factors that may be part of being lower income. And it's not that they learn less. It's that we're not addressing the needs that they have. And I think play is part of that because right. if you're, um, you know, you don't have, the freedom to just run your neighborhood if you're living in an unsafe neighborhood or something or um, you know your parents work second or third shifts so you have to stay in the house during those times when kids might normally be outside and playing or you're in programs that use this kind of research to say we need to drill more into low-income children then there's a play deficit that's not being addressed and yeah. um, and that that worries me that that we don't see the value of play in programming and mm -hmm. uh, we don't see the effect of loss of play as something worth looking at. Definitely. If, if that makes so, sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, it does to me. Whether you <laughs> think that, I don't know. Um, the thing that I always used to stress back in England was that first, so we have half terms. So the first half terms usually like six weeks or so. Uh -huh. So for that first six weeks, me and my staff would literally do, in terms of testing, we'd do observation base, uh -huh. and we'd literally just let them play all day as, for you know as long as we could, and we'd have maybe a story time structured, uh -huh. that, or we'd have some sort of social and emotional conversation. <laughs> but it was very much we want to know exactly what your child knows and we want to know what they're like and we want to see their spirit and we want to see how resilient they are and all those kind of you know 21st century skills mm -hmm. but the reason we did that was so that they wanted to come to school <laughs> so that they were settled so that they were like oh my gosh this is such a fun place to be uh -huh. I definitely want to come back tomorrow right and only did that help with the anxiety of the parents of them starting big school but the fact that it just gave us as the staff that time to just relax, uh -huh. not feel like we had to constantly be assessing and constantly trying to get them to the next step because we right. didn't even know what their first step was. Exactly, yeah, because you were assessing That's right. in that process, just not with a checklist yes. and a tool. And they, have a, they have a baseline test yeah. in England. And just before I left, there was different companies pitching to be the one that the government chose. Oh. The one that we practice with was basically observational based and it was wonderful yeah. and it actually gave you because the government obviously wanted some sort of data to compare and contrast different schools they managed to produce this 
document that whatever you put into it, it would give you a scar back. Uh-huh. But it still didn't tell you the ins and outs of, like you were saying, what was about the background of the child. No, and, and there's no like, way a tool could do that. That's right. and, and that's I... when you need to have trained staff that know what to look for yeah. and know how to interpret it and not just assume, oh, well, that child's got this, this, and this, and this. Mm-hmm. Therefore, that's why they're like that. Oh, we can't do anything about that, so we'll just abandon them. Exactly. And, you know, the other the other really valuable thing about the process you just described is that those children then learned the adults in this room trust me. Mm-hmm. The adults in this room are supportive of me. So right. when, when those adults do have something that they feel like they need to teach me or mm-hmm. influence me about, I'm going to be more open to that process. Exactly. And that's why the... The part of the quote about, um, oh, I've lost it now, <laughs> um, the Chinese kids who never rest, mm-hmm. I can't, like, that's just crazy. You, you as an adult know that if you don't rest, mm-hmm. you get burned out, you get cranky, you get hangry. <laughs> right. Yes, yeah, so yeah, there's those, as, as Lisa and I talked about, Lisa Murphy and I, when we recorded earlier today, there's all that Maslow stuff mm-hmm. that we need to take into consideration. Um, and I sure wish that Abraham had listed play somewhere more specifically in his hierarchy. Yeah, that I, think would it, be I think it can be inferred. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wish he'd use that word. Spreading that word. We yeah. Can what was he thinking? It. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that we talked about briefly before we were recording was um, an article that Peter Gray actually published um, mm-hmm. in Psychology Today. And then he put it on his Facebook page. Um, and he's, he's talking about this idea that we're, we're failing to catch up with China and the United States is panicking about it, but there are folks in China who are saying, um, this is a, this system is not working and, and we need to look at it. So the, the quote that I was talking about is from, a, uh, the director of international division of Peking University High School. And he says, Um, The failings of the system are well known. There's a lack of social and practical skills, an absence of self-discipline and imagination, loss of curiosity and passion for learning. And one way we'll know we're succeeding in changing our schools is when our scores come down. Um, But that that description of all the things that they're losing Mm -hmm. are all... I mean, that's all play. That's well, yeah, (laughs) Social and practical skills, self-discipline, imagination, loss of curiosity, passion for learning that that's play in a nutshell <laughs> it really is and that's the kind of thing that when you think about all these big companies like google and all the 21st century companies that's the kind of thing that they want in people now they don't need to have degrees they don't need to have certain skills in it it's always creative thinking out of the box mm-hmm. being able to be resilient and come up with a plan, even if you don't think you have one. <laughs> be a team player. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. I always think of my husband when I think about this because he, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this until we get our green card. He, he, <laughs> he got offered this job based on his skills and talent. Uh-huh. But he doesn't have a degree. Uh-huh. He couldn't afford to go to university, so he didn't go. So he learned on the job and he found his interests within the job and made contacts and worked as a team and did all of that kind of stuff until he was basically headhunted just based on his name and reputation alone. Uh And even he will say, 
I did all those things through play because he really? was playing with ideas uh-huh. and playing with different outcomes. And he has to now actually go to school to get the degree <laughs> to <laughs> yes. prove that he can basically do this job and isn't taking it away from an American. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm I just did my bachelor's degree in my 40s. And I'd been right. in the field, you know, for 20 years before that. Um and was growing and learning, but just not in ways that were recognized and defined in within the system. So good for him. Right. Um, but I wonder now if, because so, because most people would hear that story and be, that's amazing. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of, of person I want to be, or I think that's so impressive. But if we said something about a four-year-old playing with ideas, we'd have to work a lot harder to convince whoever was listening to us that that was valuable. That's right. Um, maybe that comes back to the whole conversation about what is valuable uh-huh. and how are people spending their time. And it just, I'd love to know why we can understand it, why we, uh-huh. why are we, why, yes. we <laughs> why we get it and why other people don't. Mm-hmm. Like what, if we can find out what it is that is influence, influencing people to not understand play or to not believe in play or to not whatever about play yeah maybe that's that's the key to changing other people's views because i do think a lot of it is just ingrained ironically from schooling oh yeah i would agree with that um because when we think about education we think about our own experience which Mm -hmm. is usually older elementary school that we're able to recall and remember you know a lot for ourselves (laughs) and so that's the connection that we make and anything that doesn't look like that, you really have to fight hard to justify. Right. But when I think back but of boy. my best memories of school, especially mm-hmm. like primary school, elementary, mm-hmm. um, I, I think because I wanted to be a teacher, I obviously have lots of happy memories of school. Uh-huh. But I do have a lot of horrible oh memories boy. of school, of like rote learning, um, being asked to stand up in front of the class to recite times tables, uh-huh. all things like that. Uh-huh. And I don't want kids to ever feel like that. Mm-hmm. So when, because I, I, I was thinking about the fact when he said about, um, it's as if we have become convinced that children are just wasting their valuable time. Mm-hmm. When you think about how many parents have had really bad experiences at school and then they become switched off when they have children mm-hmm. and they don't want to put them in schools because they don't want them to go through what they went through. Mm-hmm. It's like they don't, get that opportunity to see well it can be done differently and right. the answer to that is through play right and I, I think that's um that's a good point because until someone presents us with a different way of thinking or a reason to question what we already have experienced why why on earth would we think about it differently like if no right. one has ever said to us or showed us so so I don't ever I try let me rephrase that I try very hard not to be critical of someone for not understanding the value of play if I'm the first one to suggest to yeah. them, you know, but it's, it's when we've heard it, we've been presented with research, we've seen it in action and we still persist mm-hmm. in, in devaluing it. That's when I start to get angry about it. Um, right. I actually um, had this conversation with Lisa Murphy yeah, um, she's about how we need to stop using the term we're defenders of play. Mm-hmm defending puts us on the back foot 
right. makes people think that, well, there must be something not quite right if you're having to constantly defend it. Right. We should, pre- we should be presenting it as a fact. Right. As it, it's like bribing a child to eat broccoli by promising a brownie later. Yes. There must be something exactly. wrong with the broccoli if you're working so hard to get me to try this. <laughs> a great metaphor. I love it. Uh, okay. So let me ask you this as we close out. Um, if someone were to ask you, uh, do children learn? Like, do you have an elevator speech for this? If someone were to ask you, do children learn anything or do they just play? What's a a quick response to that or a short? Do they learn anything or just play? It's that just again. I know, yeah. The just that is the kicker. So one of the things I used to say to parents, because Uh obviously the kids, especially in those first few weeks, they would go home and say, oh, what did you do today? And they'd go, oh, played. And I had to like train the kids to say, don't say just played, (laughs) say I played. And I used to say, because, you know, you get the jokes being a teacher. Oh, you only work so many days a year. You get to finish at three o'clock and you obviously don't have anything to take home with you. Um, I used to say that I do play all day. And I challenge them that way. Uh Oh, oh, you're an early years educator. Oh, okay. You must just play all day. In that slightly pity tone. Right. Right. (laughs) And I say, yeah, I do. I do play all day. So just taking ownership. Yes, yeah. because if, if we're not playing with them and doing the things that they do, then they're not playing. We need to be in there playing, working out what's going on so that we can provide them with the best things to move them forward. Mm-hmm. But academics aside, I want to play. I want to have a job that's playful. I want to enjoy the time that I spend working there. And I think when people hear this, they'll probably, if they're not down with play, which would be worrying as to why they're listening to your um, <laughs> Whatever but, this is. <laughs> exactly. Those new listeners that you've, like, reeled in. Uh-huh. Um, what kind of gets me about it is just the fact that, yeah, there's a time to stand back and observe and see what children can do on their own and let them work things out, etc., etc. Uh-huh. But how many teachers do you hear say, oh, I love my job? I love looking after the kids. I love working with them. I love this. I love that. And you just don't get that feeling mm-hmm. in any other profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not feeling that in your job, then that's when you need to come and talk to me. Yeah, I'm I will, a play coach. I will play coach you up. <laughs> I will make you get, find that spark again because yeah. that's what makes kids tick, that spark yeah. of play. Yeah. So part of our advocacy for play then needs to be that we aren't defending it. We're just saying, yep, we play. <laughs> yeah, we need to own it. And, and be happy, more, and they're happy. And... Right. Be more playful. Yeah. Well, that's a good place to end it, I think, with Emma's instruction to be more <laughs> playful. <laughs> um, so, so thanks, Emma, for joining me. I hope you'll come on for another episode. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you again. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.